I told them folks? I said, you all can go to hell. I'm going to Texas. All right. Well, I guess howdy and good weekend to you, worthy friends. This is the Bear Brief Weekend Edition here on the Crusade Channel, the last live, all right, I'm sorry, talk radio the way it should be. Uh, Coming to you from the Republic of Texas, it is your most humble of hosts. That's right. I am the armed Catholic, Rick Barrett, bringing you the news of the week, trying to break it down looking at what happened, where we're going to go coming from uh, the last week into the next week. Uh, You can join me in the Crusader Stadium chat room, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, C-H-A-T for some of you. Um, There's no phone number because it's just you and me. We're just hanging out. There is, uh, once I get everything, I had a brand new um, computer that just came in. I got a brand new setup. So I'm running two different monitors right now, so I can't really throw in the StreamYard link this week, or maybe I will be able to based on, you know, one thing or another. But it's going to be a good time, folks, going forward. Uh, hopefully you guys can jump in and at least let me know what you're thinking uh, in the Crusader Stadium chat room. So we got a great show for you lined up. In a couple minutes, I'm going to talk to you about where I've been, uh, what I've been doing and um, the the whole apostolate of the armed Catholic and where we're going forward with it, as well as my trip to Rome, the Martyrs Walk, which is the sponsor of the program. We'll talk about them in a little bit and all the other awesome things that have been happening. Then top of the second hour, we're going to talk about the, EV, the, the, the car market. Why am I talking about the car market? Because it, unlike the housing market, which has been propped up and 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 propped up. Uh, the car market has not been, and we're starting to see a lot of problems coming from said car market as we are seeing uh, in 2020 during the great COVID uh, that um, you couldn't find them. So dealers got greedy. Difference between a pig and a hog. We had them there. Um, and so those dealers are now dealing with the fact that supply is kind of catching up a little bit. But people aren't really, A, because they can't because of Bidenomics and inflation, afford a car. And if they can, they don't want to pay the prices that these greedy dealers were able to put, were able to charge before. And then I'm going to dovetail that into the EV market and the fact that the EV market is a false god, a false prophet. It is done. You actually have dealerships signing up to say, please, please, please stop sending us cars. Please just stop doing it. Please. Now, I will also mention for some of you that are shocked, appalled, saddened, um, don't know what to think of of good old Rick Barrett, how I'm telling, hey, man, I actually dig the Cybertruck. I do. How can I dig such a vehicle? I will talk about that in the second segment of the program. And I'll give you my reasons why I like the Cybertruck, man. I do. I think it. I dig it. Uh, and of course, you know, all of you are running horror. Neither way, that's fine. We are also, um, we are also talking about, uh, in the third segment of this program, we're going to be talking about, uh, 
GOP politics, because we're going to do a little bit of that, obviously. And, and what's going on with the GOP politics as far as the primary is, is going. And we're going to bring in the one and only Magdalene Rose to talk about that. That's right. Ms. Magdalene Rose will be here on the program and uh, we'll talk about it. The, the fact that the GOP debate, that the, the things even happening just shows you how dirty politics is and how we just need to get rid of it uh, and how there's too much bloody money involved in it. Right? There's too much bloody money involved in it uh, that you have Nikki Haley, the Warhawk, um, who has, the, I'm not going to say it because it's a family show, but she has bomb envy. Let's just say it that way. She wants to be John McCain. Um, and she's being propped up. She is the chosen one. As Trump said, when he looked into the sun, I am the chosen one. I am. Uh, she is the chosen one for the military industrial complex. I think she's going to be crowbarred in as Trump's running mate. I really do. Um, I didn't think there was a chance in, uh, in Bofomet that that would happen, but the way that they have rallied behind her, I could see her being the establishment choice. Um, but we'll see. I've been, I've been wrong on things before. I know it doesn't happen a lot, but I have been, but we'll talk about that with Ms. Magdalene Rose. The, the Wednesday debate was a meme debate. That's all it was. It was a meme debate to spend some money and Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Vivek the cake is a joy to watch. He is a joy to watch. Um, do, do, would any of you really want him to be the commander in chief? I don't really care at this point anyway, uh, because my state is steam longing or steaming towards independence with the, uh, the, the fact that we're getting closer and closer to actually having a vote on it. So we're, we're doing that as well. So that's good. And so we'll talk about all that. And then bottom of the show, the last segment, I'm going to talk about this article about these activist nuns. And how these activist nuns are going to be um, used in the culture war once again, right? Used in the culture war again. Because they don't use, and this is not a slight against you guys, my evangelical brothers and sisters. It isn't. They use Catholic because it grabs headlines, because it still has that impact, right? Catholic. Catholic nuns are, are suing Smith and Wesson. What are we doing here? Is it the slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Are they suing them? No, because they're no, they're actually not because they're too busy actually going out and living their vows and living their life for God. It is the sisterhood of the traveling pantsuit that has decided that they are going to be activists and go after um, they're using their quote unquote platform because everybody has a platform today, right? If you have a cell phone and an internet connection, you have a platform. They're going to be using their platform to try and make social change. Really? Okay. Why don't you actually go into the inner city and administer to the sick? Why don't you actually feed the hungry? Why don't you clothe the naked? Why don't you go visit the imprisoned? Now we're going to God shut up with this nonsense that you have. Um, so that's the show. And uh, like I said, if uh, we don't have the link to stream yard, but I'm watching the chat room right now. If you have a question, uh, during the show, um, I don't know if I'll get to it right away. If I'm in the middle of some of a really good thought, uh, I may or may not get to it, but we'll see. This is the Barrett Brief Weekend Edition here on the Crusade Channel Talk Radio the way it should be. Glad to be back. I'm glad to see all y'all 
in the uh, in the chat room. So let's just get to where have I been? What am I doing? And uh, how is the Arm Catholic working? Well, first of all, it's actually good to talk to a uh, uh, a group of thirty <laughs> because my live streams have have not really been. Uh, um, that well attended as we grow an audience, right? As you grow an audience, we launched the daily mag dump um, earlier this year and it's growing. The, sh the channel is growing slowly fighting the YouTube algorithm and, and the, the idea that a Catholic in the gun space is not going to be the most welcomed person. And this is not a slight against the evangelicals. They just don't know, right? They, they have never met somebody as outwardly Catholic as myself who is into firearms. Most men who are into firearms don't mention the fact that they're Catholic. They kind of just go along. Now, I actually bring that to the forefront with the armed Catholic and the fact that, hey, man, we're on the same team, right? We, but we all believe in the God-given right to self-defense. And I've met some really great people over the year talking about that. And so... The Armed Catholic is working. We are we are working up. I actually have become a licensed in, to carry instructor here in the state of Texas. I finished that, which, by the way, was the most boring two and a half days you'll ever do in your life. I mean, there's boring stuff. And then they're sitting in the state police headquarters in Florence, Texas, which, by the way, I, I know where my tax money is going. It's going to the state police headquarters um, uh, the DPS headquarters in Florence, Texas, unbelievable facility. When we went, I'll just tell you this. When we went to do the firearm portion, it was 50 lanes, 50. It was a football field. For those of you that don't understand, it was a football field wide of people doing their license to carry firearm shooting, which was three, seven and 15, which is here in the, in the state of Texas, you do three, seven and 15 for your, your LTC course, the shooting portion. And, uh, it was absolutely incredible. But now that I am, I've been doing license to carry courses. I've been doing some, some handgun coaching, some one one Um, and, uh, it's, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. I really do like it. You know, I do like the idea of teaching, I do like the idea of instructing. So I've been out doing that, work at a gun store part-time. Um, man, it is it is crazy out there trying to deal with people. Because you go from working in a, uh, in a in a studio by yourself for five years to actually going out and interacting with people, man, that was a culture shock more than anything else. Ah, thank you, thank you. Thank you to everybody in the chat who is uh, giving me the welcome back. So I give you all the big old thumbs, the Trump thumbs up. But the the larger portion of the Armed Catholic right now, what we're doing with this is trying to educate people in the fact that we don't need the Second Amendment. I know, I know. And this is probably another reason why it's been a little bit of... Um, scratching and clawing and going up because within the arm within the firearm space it's all two-way two-way all the way all day right two-way this two-way that blah 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 two 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 and i'm like uh what about the fact that 44 out of the 50 state constitutions have some kind of god-given right the god-given right enshrined somewhere and we had this in new mexico right we had this in new mexico when you had the tyrannical uh governor lujan grisham come out and say like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna charge people if they have a gun. It was a total white woman uh, creed when she did it. If they have a gun, they're gonna hurt people. Blah blah blah. 
Everybody found out that the New Mexico state constitution actually had something in it. And then we just kind of went away from that. But my whole thing is you got to stop relying on SCOTUS. Why would you want to rely on SCOTUS for the fact that we are like, oh, well, we have that 6-3 majority. We have that 6-3. I'm so tired of hearing people talk about that 6-3 majority because you have a two-person majority. You have Alito and you have Thomas. Maybe Gorsuch once in a while. Then you have the other three. You got John Roberts who cares about his court's reputation. You've got um, Brett Kavanaugh who is just a shell. He is just a shell of himself. And then you've got the notorious ACB. Right? You got the notorious ACB who, and we'll talk about the Rahimi case going forward. We're not going to talk about it today. I don't want to overwhelm you all at once. (laughs) But the Rahimi case was very big because there was this idea of dangerousness. And that really perked up ACB's ears. Um, You know, should felons. And the whole thing with the Rahimi case is Rahimi, he's a a piece of trash. Sorry for the language. Um, But based on the Bruin decision, he should actually have access to firearms. And this is why, you know, Merrick Garland and the DOJ were so amped up to get this thing in front of SCOTUS because they wanted to use this to try and take a scalpel to to Bruin. Because Bruin right now says if there's no test, you know, if they didn't have uh, restraining orders or felonies or any of this other kind of stuff back when the Second Amendment was quote-unquote written, so it can't be, it can't be applied. It can't be applied now. That's why they wanted Rahimi. They're like, well, what about felons? What about people with restraining orders? And of course, this is all set up to have the judges put in a position where if they rule for Rahimi, they're like, oh, well, you just want women to be abused, don't you? You just want women to be abused. You want felons to have guns. And if they rule against it, now they have to actually do work, right? The SCOTUS doesn't like doing work. That's why they don't really take up many cases. They actually have to do work and set up what the hell this does with Bruin. That's why they wanted that in forward. So like I said, that's pretty much the whole thing with the Rahimi case. But when you rely on SCOTUS, when you rely on the feds, we are just teeing ourselves up to have our God-given right taken from us. And people don't like hearing that. No, 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 no. It's not because people in... The two-way community are stupid. It's just they don't know. They just don't know. They don't know about the God-given right at the state level. It's just very easy to say two-way all the way. But if we don't reassert at the local level, then this whole thing is going to fall apart. Right? We already have uh, KJB or KBJ or whatever her name is, Kajin Brown-Jackson. Folks, Thomas or Alito goes? Well, I mean, eventually. I don't want them to, but eventually (laughs) father time wins death and taxes, right? Those are the only two things left. But the fact is one of those goes, you're done. Whether it's Joe Biden or it's Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, you're not going to get a guy like uh, uh, Scalia. I'm sorry, not Scalia. You're not going to get Thomas or, or our other judge as well. Again, you're not. And the fact that people continue to praise Washington, D.C. and do all these other things instead of saying, no, you guys don't have any kind of any kind of jurisdiction over it. And that's what we're doing there. And so, yeah, 
it's been a good time with the Arm Catholic. Uh, we're continuing. You can check it out at thearmcatholic.com. As I, I know you guys, there's a lot of you guys have checked it out, reached out, and said what's going on and 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 looked into stuff, and I appreciate that. But yes, the Arm Catholic is working well. Uh, there's a book that's coming out next year from Sophia Press. I'm a very creative person, so what did I call it? The Arm Catholic. <laughs> that's right, folks. It is the Arm Catholic. Uh, applying Catholic social teachings to, to justified self-defense. Um, it will be coming out from Sophia Press sometime in the summer of next year. It is in the pile to be edited. So I wrote it and I gave it to them and they said, all right, we'll uh, we'll take a look at it and we'll edit it out and we'll go back and forth. Now, it was very nice. The, the thing is, I'm working with a guy from Sophia who wanted to do the cover, the cover art. And so he sent out the nuns with guns. I don't know if you all remember that one. It's a very simple meme. It's the nuns with the rifles. He's like, what do you think about this for a title or for a cover page? And I went, I don't know, bro. This looks like a meme. This doesn't really um, give the, the, the subject matter the seriousness that I think it deserves. And he said, yeah, I, I get it. And so I sent him just my, my logo. And we're just going to go with that because why change something? If it's broken, I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. Uh, so he was very good at that. I'll talk about that as it gets closer. And um, it'll be it'll be nice to actually have that out. And hopefully the apostolate continues to grow and, and more and more people just ex- understand, especially Catholics, because there there have been stories this year. You had that bishop in New Jersey and I had to come out and I was like, no, that's not the case. And, and this, that and the other thing. I mean, those guys are keeping me busy. We do have to, we have to agree with that. The bishops on the left are keeping me busy, and that's a good thing. And I and I enjoy that. And I think it's absolutely fantastic, folks. This is the bear brief here on the Crusade Channel. I want to talk to y'all because it is that time of year again. That's right. Have yourself a merry or manly Christmas. That that we are we are running that promotion again, and it sounds like. Sounds like you guys are really stepping up. Shop.mikechurch.com. Get your tickets today. Uh, so that way you can be involved in the Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And I don't know why this thing isn't absolutely crushing it. Because Mr. and Mrs. Church and all the great people at the Crusade Channel are the ones who are putting, they're doing all your shopping for you. They're do. I mean, Americans, we don't like to think, right? Go to Amazon, click button gone. Mike and Mike and the Crusade channel have done that for you. Go to the Crusade, go to shop.mikechurch.com, click buy things and done. You don't have to think. I don't have to think. It's amazing. So go there, shop.mikechurch.com. Get your tickets for the Have Yourself a Merry or Manly Christmas. Do it for me. Cause I'm back and I'm happy to be here. And I'd like you guys to go and grab a ticket or two. Pay it forward, right? Pay it forward. It's a great, great. Um, charity. It's a great event. It's a great thing that fosters community and you should definitely check it out. Shop.mikechurch.com. Get your tickets today uh, and have yourself a merry or manly Christmas. And I think it's going to be awesome uh, to hear the winners once again. I don't think we're doing that. We're not doing the, the sound, but so anybody who's thinking we're doing a sound bite of the day here, <laughs> disappointed because it's just me it's just me home homies 
me and you, I am from the bunker. Uh, and that's okay. And I love it. So anybody who's like, what about the sound? Nope, <laughs> not happening. But, um, somebody's asked me a question. Am I going to be doing the lightning brief? You know, I'm going back and forth with it. Um, if I can start to see stories from the end of the week, I may do, I may do, uh, Aaron, a lightning brief of the top headlines from the week. I may do that. Uh, so we'll go back and forth cause we're still trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure out the format uh, of the, uh, of the brief. So we'll see. Cause we were getting from three hours to two. I know Aaron said we were doing three hours and then Mike was like, are you sure you're doing three? I'm like, I'm not doing three, man. <laughs> I'm not doing three. I signed up for two. Um, so that's what that is. Now, let me talk to y'all about my trip to the Eternal City. Boy, oh boy. Um, a lot of people go, how did this even take place, Rick? How did this, how did you end up in Rome? Because I asked, I, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Rome next week. And people are like, why or how? Simply put, my wife and I have always joked about it. And one day she was looking at flights and she said, wow, these are really cheap. And I was still, and I am still kind of a free agent. And I said, I don't really have, I just have to take time off and I'm really to do anything. And so we were like, all right, let's go. And this time of year, this time of year in Rome, right before Thanksgiving, supposedly, and now this will come up later. Supposedly is um a uh the the downtime, right? The downtime. And eh, maybe, maybe so, maybe not. So we went. We stayed at the Waldorf. I know Mike was like, wow, that sounds really expensive. Here's the thing: when you go to Rome and you take taxis, which you need to do, and I'll talk about the driving in a second, it's absolutely insane. Uh, but you go to Rome and you take the taxis and you go, Waldorf, they go. Hilton? No, no, the Waldorf, and they go Hilton because it's a Hilton. It it's not as fancy as you think it is. <laughs> it's just a Hilton to these guys. And uh, was that kind of an ego check? Maybe. <laughs> you're like, I'm staying at the Hilton. I mean, I'm at the Waldorf. They're like, you're staying at the Hilton. You're like, oh, yeah, I am. Still like the Hilton though. Big big place. Um, anyway, if you ever think about going to Rome. I have to recommend to you highly the seven pilgrim churches. What do you mean, Rick? There are seven pilgrim churches in Rome. And everybody knows one. It's the Vatican. Everybody knows one. But do you know that the Vatican is not the actual seat of the Pope? Because the Pope is the vicar of Christ and he is the bishop of Rome. That's not the, the Vatican. St. Peter's is not his his actual church. His actual church is St. John um, Lauren. St. John Lauren, which is an absolutely amazing church. Now, of course, you're like, Rick, you're in a church in Rome. That's, Of course, they're all amazing. You're right. But I, outside of that, my favorite one, my favorite one, we only went to four of the seven. We were supposed to go to all seven, but American Airlines canceled our flight and moved us up a day. That's a different story for a different day. Um, we didn't find out till Wednesday morning that our flight had been moved up. Once again, different story, different day. So we went to St. Peter, St. John's, St. Lawrence. Um, and then there was another one in the Piazza that I forget. 
But my favorite church was the Basilica of St. Lawrence. Now, is that because St. Lawrence is my birthday? He's my birthday saint? Probably. But the folks, I got to stand in front of the of the casket of St. Lawrence. That's a mind-blowing experience. Here's another thing. You got to do the seven pilgrim churches because outside of St. Peter, it's they're completely empty. Completely empty. Nobody goes to them. I was in the Basilica of St. Lawrence, not a soul. It was me and then the people I was traveling with. We went to St. John Lauren, the seat of, of the bishop in Rome, empty. No, crazy. Oh, I went to St. Mary Magdalene. Yes, I went to the four of them. The Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene. Not Mary, St. Mary of Mary. It's, it's the church dedicated to the Holy Mother. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible. I was able to stand and pray in front of the manger. Yeah, that's there. Unbelievable. Probably my least favorite church and only because of the people was the Vatican. And man, is it disappointing when you go to the Vatican because this is a gorgeous, gorgeous basilica. But you got 500 people running around, running around back and forth, ding, 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 like little ping pong balls trying to take pictures of everything. Although I was able to get in front of the um, the uh, the 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 coffin, I guess, for lack of a better term, but the the remains of Saint Pius the Tenth, Saint Pope Pius the Tenth, uh, which was amazing. Kind of walked by. I, I gave a tip of the hat to Saint John Paul the Second and the Saint John the Twenty Third. I was like, hey, 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 bye. hey guys, <laughs> as I walked by him, stopped in front of uh, uh, Pope Benedict downstairs when you go downstairs through the crypt of the popes pretty amazing um also the weather was perfect i thought it was perfect uh because if you go i could see why it'd be absolutely crazy last thing the migrants oh boy if you go to rome you better be ready to square off with some migrants because everywhere you go they are selling cheap crap everywhere I, I so we were at the coliseum we did the nighttime tour which i would recommend because they only have like you know, they only got like 400 people in as opposed to the 3000 that they have in during the day. So it definitely is something to be um, where if you can go, you should definitely go. You should absolutely go. All right, folks, coming up in the second hour, we're going to be talking about the used car market EVs, what we're going through there. We're going to talk about my uh, my whole thing with uh evs here on the bear brief weekend edition on the crusade channel talk radio the way it should be so apparently when we are um okay so like everything else in life there <laughs> there's always um there's always a little bit of a rough patch coming back real quick i have 30 seconds to talk about this i have 30 seconds to talk about this if you go to rome and you take a taxi take a taxi uh, don't be surprised when you think you're gonna die. Here on the stage and talk greater than wait. On the Barrett Brief Show, we believe in almsgiving. So if you have any double cheeseburgers you think may be tainted by coronavirus, 
bring them to us for testing. Gotta love it. Welcome back to the weekend edition here in the brief. Uh, yeah, the news of the week, previewing the week to come. I'm your host, the Arm Catholic, once again, uh, getting back into the swing of things here. Right, trying to work my way back in. Um, no, no better way to 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 start it than with a little Hogan, right? The official theme of the country of Baratistan. Or whatever country I call it. I think Beretta Stan still works. Uh, join me in the Crusader chat room, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, C H A T, if you want to be a part of the conversation at any time. I appreciate everybody that's hanging out with me uh, this week. Uh, and uh, I hope you're all having a wonderful weekend as you're out doing uh, errands or maybe you're mowing your lawn or I don't, I hope you're not putting up Christmas lights. Right. That's that's for a little bit of a different time. Um, But whatever you're doing, I appreciate you hanging out with me. It's great. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit here in this segment of the program. But before we get to this segment of the program, I want to let you guys know that I greatly appreciate you can find me at thearmcatholic.com. And to talk as we we work through the new format of the brief. Right. People are asking me, what about a lightning round? Should we should do a lightning round? And I'm saying, yeah, we probably should do a lightning round. Uh, but would that be our second segment? Lightning round for the previous week? Lightning round for the new week? I don't know. It'll be interesting as the show evolves. Because that's one thing. You can never uh, be be a slave to your, your, uh, your format. If something looks like it's going to work, I think it might work. So we'll take a look at that. I definitely will. I will take it under consideration. So that will be fantastic. Fantastic to talk about. But right now, one thing I do want to talk about um, is is the car market. I've always been a fan of cars, right? I love cars. You like cars. Um, But the car market has been one of the strangest things. Now, the whole market is completely and utterly destroyed. We all know that, right? Houses are completely underwater. Uh, I know the home, the housing market's about to crash because homes here in Texas, in my area, where they used to go for sale, um, Pretty quickly, now they're not. We're actually found out that they're putting apartment complexes in my quiet little town, which everybody is super mad at. Because the reason we moved to this quiet little town, I feel like uh, Stan from the South Park movie, this quiet little town. The reason I moved to this quiet little town is to get away from apartment complexes, and then they put them right on our front doorstep. Also, apartment complexes mean Section 8 housing. If you don't think that's the case, then I got something for you. Um, So... Of course, my wife and I are looking at each other like, all right, probably within the next, we got to wait for the market to completely crash and rebound if that ever happens. And then we'll probably move a little farther out, a little farther out to get away from all of this. Um, because here in Texas, no matter what, and, and by the way, did y'all hear about this? I'm sure you did. The cartel town north of Houston, those people have a better setup than I do. They got power, water, everything, of course, funded by the cartels. Uh, it is this massive development complex that one day somebody was like, hey, man, who lives in that? And then they actually looked at the uh, the the legal housing contractors that were building it. Yeah, all funded by the cartels. <laughs> so it's north of Houston. It's pretty much a barrio. 
but Americanized. And um, that's just that's just another wonderful thing that's happening here in my wonderful state of Texas. But the car market is 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 interesting because it is the one that they are trying to just push forward. They're trying to force forward. They tried to do this with solar like panels and houses with Solyndra and they tried to pick the winners and losers. And I don't care if you want to get a solar panel, if you want to try and island your house. Great. I've thought about it too. I like the idea of the Tesla solar roof. I've talked about it on previous iterations of the brief, but the car market is very different. They tried and Joey B and the boys actually it's probably misgendering. It's Joey B and the girls because it's all women that run his, um, his administration or his corrupt regime from his wife, his Jezebel wife all the way down. Right, it's very interesting to watch the the levers of power. On one hand, you got Joe Biden, who is a complete nutter moron and is perfect to use in the downfall, the controlled demolition of these United States, simply because you're like, hey, everything's going bad. Look at him; the guy can't even walk, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. But on the second hand, they're like, yeah, this guy's actually pretty terrible because he goes off script and he starts yelling and smelling little kids and all these other kinds of things. So they have it perfectly. They have it a little bit. Right, they have a halfsy, halfsies. They like the fact that he's a doddering old man who shuffles and then runs out of places because he thinks he poops his pants. But on the other hand, he's running around, he's smelling little kids, he's doing all this other kind of like disgusting, awful things that shows really what the whole Washington D.C. machine is about. Like, oh, yeah, this is a little, it's a little too forward. <laughs> it's a little too forward in that. But Jill Biden will never leave that house. The only reason she stayed married to that husk of a human being for as long as she did was to get in the White House. The doctor, right? Dr. Jill Biden. If she's a doctor, I'm a lawyer. Right? We might as well. We're all making up titles at this point. <coughs> I got a 140 on my LSAT once. Might as well call it. All right, so why am I talking about cars? Because it was the one they tried to push us forward into the future. We're all going to drive electric cars, right? As we saw from uh, Team America. We'll all get them to drive hybrid cars. Ford was one of the worst. I mean, they're all bad. Ford, Chevy, Dodge is not. That's because Dodge's cars are, their, their cars are overpriced and nobody buys them. So they can't even do, they can't even move into the future as far as EVs because they can't even sell the ones they have now. But Ford, I remember when I was here before, they released the Lightning and everybody was like, this is the game changer. This is the game changer that will make mass adoption of electric cars the thing because it looks like an F-150 and it does all this other stuff. Do you all hear about the fact that the Ford CEO tried to drive it across country and he couldn't? He couldn't drive it across country. Because there's no network for it. And you can't, we're going to build a thousand charging stations. Good luck. You can't even keep the power on in California all year. And you're going to put a thousand charging stations throughout these United States. Get out of here. So first one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce through a couple articles here. One from Reuters and one from Business Insider. First one is from Reuters. Ford shares are falling after pulling full year forecast wider losses in the EV units. Nobody's buying these cars. Nobody's buying the F-150. Nobody's definitely not buying that ugly excuse for a Mustang. Talk about terrible, terrible, and I'll say it a third time, terrible 
marketing, you could have called that thing anything, the lightning bug, blah, blah, blah. They took their probably their best IP, right? Their best piece of intellectual property between the Mustang and the F-150. Those are the two ones that you could make money off of. They took one of their most valuable, valuable IPs and slapped it on the back of a pregnant neon. That's what the F, the new Mustang mock, whatever. It looks like a pregnant neon. And I see people driving this. I'm like, bro, really? You had the money to burn and you bought this thing? You bought a bloated Mustang? Terrible. All of them. Yeah. The, the lightnings are, are terrible. They can't tow. They can't. They have terrible mileage. They're an apps. They're the Etzel. It's a new Etzel that you have. So the 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 whole idea here between the the F one fifth or the Fords losing, right? Losing. They're they're losing shares. They're losing money, which is fine. I don't care. It's not. I'm not going to be crying about this. They also pulled the 2023 forecast. Citing uncertainty, this was in October, uncertainty from the ramifications of that new labor deal. And they also cautioned about the ongoing challenges in its EV businesses. Now, the big thing, the big thing is that they said, hey, man, EVs are the future. Everybody's going to buy them. It's going to be great. You're going to put one in your home. It's going to blah, 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 blah. Remember Joe Biden was driving around in the um, the electric Hummer, which is another amazing amazingly stupid market idea there's a reason why people are paying ninety thousand dollars a year for mbas and businesses are going down because first of all if you were in if you were a business major you'd be like ninety thousand dollars a year for an mba is not a good investment but these people don't know business they go in they're taught about sustainability they're taught about the planet dei and then they're thrust out into the world and they actually don't know anything about business i.e bud light which was a very interesting story as well. Not as great as everybody wants to use, and I don't think it's going to work out. Whoa, guys, it's the Bud Light effect. The Bud Light effect was a once-in-a-generation thing. It was the one time conservatives actually figured something out, and they're not going to be able to do it ever again. Sorry. But the idea that these EVs, which we've talked about, the lithium, the raw production of them, this is, this is Wells Fargo, which is another terrible company, but they even wrote, hey, we believe that the rise in battery raw material costs has negatively impacted the outlook for BEVs, battery electric vehicles. We'll talk about that more in a second. But first, I'm going to talk to y'all about to have yourself a merry and manly Christmas. Shop.mikechurch.com. Go on over there. Shop.mikechurch.com. Get yourself a merry or manly Christmas ticket. It is the end of the year fundraiser. Helps push the crusade channel forward. And you're part of the community. You're having a good time. It's a really good time, ladies and gentlemen. So do it. Shop.mikechurch.com. Shop Shop.mikechurch.com. Get your ticket to the Have Yourself a Merry Manly Christmas today. Do it. All right. So... This is a this is a bad idea, right? Ford's running out. This is from Business Insider. Their headline: EVs are running out of customers. Some dealers don't want them anymore. This was in August. This was in August of this year. 
Everybody wants EVs, right? Everybody wants electric cars. That's the future, man. It's the future, dude. Guess what? EVs, like any product, every product has a ceiling. Some ceilings are better than others. Some ceilings are better than others. Everybody is in the market for socks. Everybody needs socks. Not everybody needs an electric vehicle. And see, they were told, you were told, you need one. You need an electric vehicle, ladies and gentlemen. And then people looked at them and they're like, eh, <laughs> not really. They don't want them. Dealers are writing the Biden regime saying, we don't want these vehicles. Stop mandating the 2030 idea. It's not going to work. It's not going to work, brah. So just a real quick thing from this Business Insider, Alex, Alex, Alexa St. John and Nora Nottington. By the way, did you hear, did you see that the Washington Post reporters went on strike and everybody was like, stay on strike. They were trying to be like, we write truth to power. It's like, you work for Jeff Bezos. Shut up. More electric vehicles are being pumped out of car factories than ever before, but dealers don't want them. The electric car inventory has been piling up on dealership lots. And here's the thing, guys. They can't slash prices on these things. There are F-150 Lightnings that are $90,000. But they're hoping the government tax credit comes in. Oh, well, you know, when you bring that $8,000 tax credit in it. All right. Oh, great. So I have an electric vehicle for $70,000. Eddie, Eddie, a blinking mind on this one? So Scott Coons, the chief operating officer of Coons Auto and RV Group, which sells Detroit brands and Nissans, says, we have turned away EV in inventory. We need to ensure that we have a good turn on it because they don't work. Plug-in vehicle availability is increasing, is increasing rapidly. A sign that the EV adoption growth curve is about to hit a serious slowdown. It once again shows government doesn't have an idea of what to do in the marketplace. Now, I'm not a libertarian. Please do not get that twisted. No way, shape, or form. No way, shape, or form. So, the whole concept that they were going to tell you this is the thing and you should use it so there's a sign that the e in in 2024 i actually am going to tell you that the whole ev market will collapse what do i mean i mean governments will roll back their adoption because the ceiling is hit the ev adoption growth is done the only company that will probably continue is Tesla because they have they were the first in, right? They were like Nike shoes. Teslas have reached the point where they are synonymous with EVs. Oh, I have a EV. Oh, you have a Tesla? Nobody's like, oh, do you have a Nissan Murano? No, nobody asks that question. Nobody asks that question. They're like, oh, you have a Tesla. Because that's the one that's in there. But folks, EV market is done. You'll see in the next year, in 2024, my first Barrett Brief weekend edition prediction that the 
the mandates on electric vehicles by certain dates will be peeled back. And that is coming from the auto dealers, not the automakers. Yeah, Ford pulling back saying like, yeah, we actually don't think this is profitable. You have Business Insider saying you went, they jumped the gun. What do I mean? They jumped the gun. They went from, hey, this is a cool thing. Hey, man, this is kind of a neat thing. Oh, your your brother's sister's roommate has a Tesla. Oh, that's neat. Oh, look at that. That's kind of quaint to, I have to have one. It's like, no, you don't, brah. You don't need one. The combustion engine has survived for a long time. And and let, let me just transition to this. I've seen the Cybertruck, and I like it. I don't I know you can absolutely take me over the coals in the chat. I like the Cybertruck. Is it ugly? Yes, but I have a type apparently. I do. I do. It's a bulletproof all steel construction scratch resistant vehicle. If you've ever seen me drive, well except for the bullet bullet part. Um I don't really dr- I mean I do drive into Houston, so maybe that's another reason why I'd want to have it. Um, but- but a scratch-resistant truck that can go about 340 with the extended range, almost 500 miles, it's not a bad thing. I don't drive that much. So I would consider it. And honestly, as Justin from Why We Fight stated, Elon is the only billionaire out there, I guess besides Trump, that is remotely, and please understand I say the word remotely on your side, And the fact that you have Disney and other companies pulling Teslas, I'm sorry, pulling ads from from X and all these other things, you know, the only way he's going to get support is, you know, having a subscription to X, which I do, which is, by the way, terrible. Once again, terrible branding. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to do the everything app. He wants everything to be under the X umbrella, which is kind of disturbing, but we can talk about that in a different show. The whole idea... The whole idea is that he needs support, right? He needs support. You can do that. You don't have to buy a Tesla. You can buy Starlink, which I just got another ad for Starlink, a a newer version of it, which I think I will take up. Um, But the whole point is that he needs support from the grassroots level. He does. Now, also, by the way, the mid-range on a the mid-range price on a Ford EV is like 60, no, 75,000. These Teslas are coming in, the all-wheel drive ones coming in at 69,000, which is pretty pretty standard for for your used for your truck market right now. However, hold on. I'm not buying a new Tesla Cybertruck. Oh, you thought you thought your boy Rick Barrett was going to buy a new Cybertruck? I'm going to wait six months. I'm going to wait six months. Why? Because there's going to be a rush of people who will buy them, drive them, and hate them. I'll be able to walk into a used dealership in what, August of next year? And have my pick of the litter of Cybertrucks. Because people will buy them based on hype. I already know what I'm uh, what I'm looking for in a Cybertruck. I know. Some people are literally buying them just to buy them, to have them, because it's a new thing. 
because we still exist in America. They want the new thing. Not me. Not me. I'm going to wait. And when somebody drives it for 5,000 miles, hates it, trades it in, that's when I'll grab it. I'll grab it. I won't mind. Now, am I playing with fire with the used uh, electric truck? Probably. But I don't think I'm, I'm too worried about it. First of all, my ridge line's still going. That thing's got to die before I can even think about getting a new vehicle. But the fact of the matter is, I would be open to a Cybertruck. I would be. Simply because I think they're cool. And and it is my uh, my God-given right to think that something is uh, is neat. And I think I could enjoy it. Besides the fact that if we have gas-powered cars if we want to go anywhere substantial. I'm not, I am not of the mind that I'm going to buy a Cybertruck and go trouncing out into the, uh, the white sands of New Mexico in it. That's just stupid. Anybody who thinks you're going to do that is kind of dumb. And, and the fact of the matter is they tried to sell you that with the F-150 Lightning and everybody was like, oh, no, that's, that's, uh, that's not how this goes. That's not how this goes in any, uh, I'm playing with my life says, uh, Okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. I will acknowledge that. Alanacious says in the chat room at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, playing with my life, new or used. Yeah, I could be. But I could also make the argument, my friend, we all, we all are. Every time, you know, you get on the road. Now, am I upping my chances of something bad happening by being in a cyber truck? That I will give you. <laughs> that I will give you. But you know what, folks? Nobody gets out of this life alive, so you might as well take a look at it. Um, but yeah, it's something I I will say this. It's not happening anytime soon. It's not happening anytime soon, but I would be open to the Cybertruck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up to the end of the hour. Now, next hour, I'm going to have the magnificent Miss Magdalene Rose join me here on the Barrett Brief Weekend Edition, Talk Radio the way it should be. Happy to be back, folks. We are going to talk about the latest GOP debate, the meme debate, as I am calling this the meme debate, with uh, Vivek Ramashwamy putting out the, the meme of all memes and absolutely decimating Nikki Haley, although I don't think that's going to have a long-term effect. I actually think it's going to have the reverse effect um um going forward the reverse effect going forward i think they'll actually rally around her rally around her and so i'm gonna i really want her opinion also i want to hear about her opinion because we haven't talked in the primary season the collapse of ron DeSantis. why is chris christie even there Vivek Ramaswamy, her opinion, because people are very spread on him. They think he's great. They think he's a WEF stooge. He's all these other kinds of things. So we definitely need to, to I, well, we, I would like to get her opinion on that. And then, of course, the elephant in the room, the Trump in the room, is uh, is Donald Trump. What happens when he gets charged? Because you have to assume he's going to be charged with something. All right. And I think it's a foregone conclusion that the guy's going to be the nominee. So what do we do going forward in that actual regard? And so 
It's going to be very interesting. And then after that, uh, the end of the show, I'm going to talk about the nuns versus Smith and Wesson. And then I'm going to talk about what you should do, things to consider when going into a gun store for the first time, right? You really need to think about these things. Don't just go in there and say, hey, man, I need a gun. You need to take these things into account. I'm going to help you through that and talk about that. It's all happening here on the Bear Brief Weekend Edition. Glad to be back. Talk radio, folks, the way it should be. Brief Weekend Edition here on the Crusade Channel Talk Radio the way it should be. I am your host, that's right, the man, the myth, the legend, returning from uh, from the cold. The Armed Catholic Rick Barrett bringing you the news from the week and a preview for the week to come. Uh, there is no phone, so it is you and me. If you want to hang out with me and ask me questions, it is the Crusade, Crusader Stadium, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. C-H-A-T, as you run your errands throughout the day, I'm glad I'm your co-pilot. So um, let's have some fun here, ladies and gentlemen. It is good to be back. We just talked about the electric mar- the electric vehicle market, what's going on there, uh, and so forth. So we talked a little bit about that. So it is my absolute pleasure to bring back the one and only Miss Magdalene Rose because there was a primary season that I haven't been around to talk about, and I am anxious to get her opinion on it. Miss Magdalene Rose, welcome to the weekend edition of The Brief. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And I'm I'm honored that you are my first uh, volunteer to hang out with me on the weekend. <laughs> oh, it is good to have you back and good to speak with you again. So <clears throat> let's just go this, let's do this in order. Thoughts up to this point on the GOP primary season, how big of a dumpster fire do you think it is? Do you think it's like a little basket, a um, little trash basket fire, maybe like a like a leaf bin, like a 32-ounce, or just a full-scale dumpster fire that is just impressive to see from space? I don't think it's full-scale, but it's definitely medium-scale. And the reason for that is because with all of these debates, with all of these town halls, everyone's ignoring the elephant in the room, which is that Donald Trump isn't at any of them. So it's kind of like you're constantly seeing the people who may or may not matter in 20 minutes be talked about as if they're possibly going to be commander-in-chief. So it's this really weird situation we have. And yes, there are candidates like DeSantis who have way more chance than people like Chris Christie or Nikki Haley. But I am of the opinion that Donald Trump should be debating because I think if you want to run for president, I always say nobody can script you into running for president. It's voluntary. Mm. So if you're going to do it, you should be running and you should be out there on the debate stage. So that makes it a big problem. The other problem we have is the incompetency of the RNC, this election cycle. Rona McDaniel has presided over several failed elections, and yet every year her salary increases and she gets more perks. And this election cycle, she has made it really clear that she's not interested in crafting a specific message or doing outreach. It's just fundraising. And at this point, I don't even know what we're fundraising for. So I think the the first thing we need to address is the, the entire fact of this cycle shows that there's too much bloody money in politics. We all know that Trump, is, for better or worse, however you think, folks, that's your opinion, you're more entitled to it, he is going to be the nominee just because 
there's a, a many people who think that he's getting a raw deal, whatever the case may be. Um, he's getting a raw deal. People kind of like the underdog in that regard. They want to get behind him. Uh, but there's too much bloody money with the actual candidates, the consultants, and the networks that they have to put this farce on. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is that you have people like DeSantis who's around, um, Vivek, which I'll ask about in a moment, uh, and then the establishment candidate, which is Nikki Haley. But the, the fact of the matter is, let's just address the fact that Trump should be at the debates. I'll 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 play the contrarian. The guy is no he has no nothing but downside. He's been he's been in office. He has track record record speaks. Uh, he has that to run on, which I know you're going to ask me, and he should answer for it. And I know DeSantis would hit him hard on that. Um, and I'll let you do respond to that in a moment. But the fact is, he's got nothing but downside to go to this. And B, he's too busy running around the country sitting in courts that he really doesn't have time to go to these uh these debates. But it leaves an opportunity for Buffet Christie, Chris Christie, who has no reason to be on this stage. The guy hasn't been relevant in eight years uh, to be a bully. And and I really, I can't watch um, the debates because they make me angry because Chris Christie is people that I've dealt with my entire life, Magdalene. They're these fat blowhards who talk tough in front of you. But as soon as he gets in front of Obama in 2012, he becomes like a little child. He hugs him and he does all these other things. He did more to hurt Mitt Romney in 2012 than anybody thought. And he's always the guy on Morning Joe or he's on Rachel Maddow. And he's the quote unquote good Republican who goes on and smashes them. Uh, so he's, he, he shouldn't even be, he shouldn't be allowed within a thousand feet of a debate stage, but yet they put him on. He's awful. And, and the fact of the matter is he's doing more harm than good. So let me clear up all that junk. I just said, the fact of the matter is Trump can't be at these debates because he's too busy going through the, the bread, the circuses of the trial. Um, so he, he doesn't have time for that. And I don't think he, he should be doing that. But the fact of the matter is there's too much money there. Like you said, Rona McDaniel, her salary continues to increase. Um, and the fact is they pushed in Ron DeSantis too soon. Uh, and, and he's got, he has to literally have the worst and we'll just focus on him for a moment. The worst campaign ever put together. Uh, in the history of, of modern uh, of of modern politicking, I mean, if you could pick somebody that's bad, he's picked him. And I think I actually don't think he wanted to run, but I think he was pushed into running by the consultant class. Well, I think with Ron DeSantis, one of the problems, and I talked about this a little bit on my church's show as well, is that he thinks that he is bringing back to life this Camelot JFK vibe, and it's not true. He's not that guy. He's much more, if you look at him and Casey, his wife, they're like Nancy and Reagan and how they operate. They don't have a lot of friends. They're not really gregarious. They're much more reserved, and that's fine to be like that if you're a Republican. There are lots of Republicans who are like that and do very well, but this obsession with Camelot, this obsession with we're going to be the, the young version of everything in the GOP and we're going to make people fall in love with, with us on a youth level. It's not real. If DeSantis ran as the hardcore conservative he is and Casey, his wife, stopped trying to be Jackie O for a minute, and I like her. I'm not an anti-Casey person, but this obsession with being Jackie O, it's not helpful because if you look at the different sort of stereotypes of Republican first ladies or political wives, she's in the Nancy Reagan stereotype. She's not warm and fuzzy. So it holds him back. And I and you mentioned the donor class. I think the donor class is also really split right now. 
because there are many donors for Ron DeSantis. There are many donors for Nikki Haley. The problem that we have with Nikki Haley is, and I, I talked to somebody years ago at a Republican event who said to me, you have no idea how much money is already being put aside for Nikki Haley to run. And that was before 2020. It was before COVID and everything. So the amount of money behind Nikki Haley is so intimidating that someone like Ron DeSantis can't even hit her effectively because he knows how much backing is really behind her and is expected to be behind her for many months to come. Do you think they're going to crowbar her into the VP slot? I, I think Trump probably will. If, if it's Trump, he'll be told she's a good option. I just don't see them having a lot of chemistry. You know, when she quit the UN or resigned, they had that meeting in the Oval Office and they talked about how it was a peaceful transition and they had no hard feelings. Now he calls her bird brain <laughs> and he says lots of, of things. I don't think it's going to help him. And I think Trump is at a point now where he wants above all absolute loyalty which brings its own sets of problems but that's what he wants and nikki haley's not going to give him that she's going to give him sort of a balanced view or a back and forth view honestly you're more likely to get someone like christy Noem in south dakota than you are for nikki haley yeah okay so are you of the mind Ms. magdalene rose that it has to be a woman i think it should be a woman i just I don't see how it helps him for it not to be a woman. You know, when Joe Biden made those ridiculous comments where he basically laid out the qualifications to be his VP and there were woman and person of color or black woman, that we all knew what that was going to lead to. It was going to lead to Kamala Harris unless he went like left field and took Michelle Obama. And I do think it helped him because America did not know how incompetent and stupid Kamala Harris is. <laughs> they had no idea. They thought she was this pit bull from the Kavanaugh hearings. And I thought that a little bit too. I thought she was much more aggressive than she's turned out to be. So it did help him having her on the campaign trail. Now, of course, she is not helpful because she has terrible approval ratings and everything she tries to do, just, it just comes out as inauthentic. So I think Trump needs a woman. I think he doesn't necessarily need a woman of color. He could have a white woman, but he needs to show that the Republican Party is not just the party of old white guys. And I know that sounds like oh, a liberal talking point, but that's a real concern amongst young voters. And I think it's, it's a relevant concern in 2023. Well, also, the, the, the fact is it may be it is a liberal talking point. So if you do have something of that line, it doesn't matter. Take your pick. It'll just be an easy line of attack. You're not the, the opponent will not have to work hard to, to hit the, the, the Republican ticket, whoever it is, if it's two white guys. Uh, so that's that's really um, that idea. I get that. I understand that that is a, an easy pickoff. Um, but is, if it really if it really was something like a, a Trump and I actually, I couldn't even think of a white guy that he would pick right now. That would be a decent, I don't know, Matt Gates or something like that or something of that nature. Uh, it, I don't think it really matters to the GOP base what the liberal attack line is. So, um, I mean, Nome is fine. I think she hasn't, it, she, you know, she has solid COVID numb, you know, she was one of the, she didn't shut down during all that stuff. She's from a red state, all of these other kinds of things. I think that's fine. But what about people who argue, hey, man, let's let's talk about the other guy in the room, Vivek, right? Vivek, he's he hasn't attacked Trump personally. He's gone out of his way to promote the populist message. Uh, he is a very articulate, very smart, very quick witted, uh, very stern. He went toe to toe with Christie, I think, very well in that debate. Um, and, and I think he's, he's got a very solid, he's a very articulate version of what the populism Trump espouses. So what holds you back from putting him in that VP slot? 
I think he's a faker. I don't think that this is legitimate. And the reason for that is because if you read his early interviews, if you listen to them, he was trying to be the Republican version of Pete Buttigieg. He was trying to be this sort of like unifier and everybody loves me guy. This Vivek that we're, Vivek that we're seeing now is not authentic. And the reason I have a problem with him is there is not one thing he says that is not a Jordan Peterson talking point, that is not coming from somebody else. And the, the frustration is he is not squeaky clean. This is a man who had pharmaceutical plants in China. This is a man with deep ties to Beijing, economic ties, personal ties. And I don't understand why DeSantis and Nikki Haley, not Chris Christie, because he's sort of really out of contention, but why DeSantis and Nikki Haley are not saying this on the debate stage. They're treating him with kid gloves. And it's a point of frustration because I speak to a lot of young conservatives who are like, yeah, you know, he's just like reading off talking points, but saying them in a populist thing. So everyone loves him, right? Like, I do know that. But when you see him on the debate stage, the contrast between him and the rest of them is so glaring because he'll say things like Rona McDaniel she'll resign which you and I have been saying and many people at the crusade channel have been saying for years so again this is not new information he's just repackaging it I also don't believe that he has no like backdoor deal with Trump or anything I don't believe that I think Trump sent him in there and I think Vivek is somebody who you cannot trust I also do not believe that the young Christian right in this country is going to get behind him I don't see it from the people I talk to the communities I know I do not see him as a VP choice that excites young Christians starting families and things like that. He does not connect with them. So the, the whole squeaky thing, clean thing is, is interesting because I don't think anybody that can get into politics is ever squeaky clean. You can't get to any point, um, whether it is a senator, congressman, UN ambassador, governor, without making some deals, right? Everybody's got to take some deals there to, to get to those spots. So the squeaky clean thing, while he does present himself that way, uh, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's very many people that expect your politicians to be, to be squeaky clean in that regard. Um, the, the, the Christian right thing is very interesting because he is uh, not your typical politician on that. Uh, and so that'll be something that they're going to have to face eventually some way, shape or form, um, you know, having to. And I don't think that they that's a good idea. I don't have a problem with Vivek's religion at this point. Um, my only thing is if he's pro-life, I really don't care, you know, what that that entails. But the fact of the matter is he probably is a backdoor guy for Trump. He does show loyalty in that regard. And I don't know. There's a lot of. And maybe let me throw this out. He may not excite the right, but he does excite a lot of people down the middle. Those elusive independent voters, the, that elusive class that's looking for somebody that's not a Trump or that's not a Pence or a gnome or something of that nature. The fact of the matter is this may be a bad, um, a bad place to take my data from, but the idea is that like the guys on the Tim cast areas that they love the guy, they love the guy, they promote the guy. Um, and the reason I mentioned this Magdalene is that those group of people are going to have to come in and pull the, pull the lever. And it may not be for Trump. It may be for somebody like, like of a vague is who may be technically, uh, you know, a, a branch out, not a full hardcore conservative, if that makes sense. 
No, it does. And I understand that. My, my thing with this, though, is you also have to win the Republicans. And there's been a real lack of focus on rebuilding the states that were solidly Republican that we have lost. So take Arizona, for example. We were like winning everything in Arizona. Arizona was a deep red state. And over the Trump presidency, it dissipated and it got all messy and everything. And there are examples of this throughout the country. So one of the frustrations is, while everybody is trying very much to be edgy in things, we have not looked at why we're losing continuously states that were very deep red. So the Republican Party, whoever that VP pick is, and I personally think whoever the general pick is for, for president, needs to create a strategy that works backwards of evaluating what happened. And I think in Arizona, especially, aside from just 2020, the little races, everyone know, knew going into 2020 that we were underwater in little districts and everything. We need to figure out how to get that back because Democrats did not lead some great campaign to win these states. That's been the, the miscommunication here. Democrats did not have some great strategy on how to take over Republican states early on. They didn't have a, a campaign. They didn't have any of that. We just keep, kept losing them and losing them. And if you look at Pennsylvania, where I am now, the nomination process, the people we were picking, the fact that we weren't connecting with the Republicans in Pennsylvania, that is a problem. So if Trump is the nominee, he's got to focus on rebuilding the Republican coalition before he tries to get independence, because it's not going to matter how many independents you get if those Republicans outside of just the MAGA base are still disinterested. So the whole thing is you're seeing lawsuits that are coming out saying that the Arizona election, there was a lot of uh, funky things that were taking place there. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that election, for lack of a better term, was not all it was not straight down the line. Right. You could have had the best ground game possible. But and I covered it and you and I talked about it after there are a lot of shenanigans that took place there. Pennsylvania, where you live right now, from a person from an outside perspective, is a dead state, period, uh, because you've got your absolute crazy man in the governor's office. And you got a state Supreme Court that leans so hard to the left, they've fallen off the, the, the continent. Um, and so the, everything you're going to try to do, all your ground game, all your other kind of stuff is going to be uh, completely, for lack of a better term, uh, for 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 not. Because the Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, they're going to, you know, as long as they have those cities, they're going to run those things. And Arizona has been underwater because of the California movement in for a long time. It's really that one county that they just can't get a handle on. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see, which is why I'm saying you're going to need that independent out, uh, that independent vote to kind of overwhelm any kind of shenanigans that'll take place in these states simply because that's that's uh what's going on i'm going to get your uh your opinion on that in one moment you are listening to the bear brief weekend edition here on the crusade channel talk radio the way it should be this segment is brought to you by the have yourself a merry and manly christmas shop.mikechurch.com go get yourself a ticket today and be a part of the contest and hopefully you will have yourself a merry or manly christmas um so Despite the fact I understand everything you're saying in that regard, but when you're facing hurdles with such embedded acceptance to some real shenanigans, like I will give Ron DeSantis credit when he said that, hey, in the debate, he said Florida 20 years ago, the election was was a joke and they've actually taken the steps 
in the state. That's a state issue. I don't think that's a, a an issue for the top of the ticket. You and I can agree that's an issue for Ronda McDaniel, and she's completely failed in that regard. That's true. And I think, though, in Arizona before 2020, amongst young conservative groups, amongst the young Republicans, we were having problems. And it wasn't necessarily just 2020. That's, that's what I mean by that. We had been losing seats that were safe for a while. And the reason was, was we were not getting turnout, not from the MAGA base, but from sort of traditional Republicans who felt very alienated. So there is a large portion of that in this country. And I think in our rush to sort of embrace all this populism stuff, and I agree with the populism message, I think it's the way to govern the country. But in the rush to do that, we did not give those diehard traditional Republicans enough time. We have this idea that we sort of need to shed all of the old and bring in the new. And Trump, Trump sort of parrots that in a lot of ways. And that's true. But when you don't give any time and you don't have an ambassador to those traditional Republicans, it presents a problem. And if you look at 2020 and before that, aside from all the things that went on, it was a poorly run campaign. And my concern is that Rona McDaniel, as the chairwoman of the RNC, is going to allow this continued belief in campaigning of, if we just send Trump out, it's fine. We don't have to like everybody in the Republican Party. But there are certain people that when you send them to certain places, they land better. If you send Nikki Haley to the suburbs of Pennsylvania, she's going to land a lot better than if you send Donald Trump. And that's just the reality. We've gotten to a place of if you're not all in on the MAGA side, we can't use you. And I think Democrats are much more likely to have this wide spectrum of ideology and send people out to talk to different communities. And that's why they continue to have these wins over and over again. So who are the young conservatives when you, who is the candidate? Who is their picture perfect um, person that they would want um, in the mix, if not mm -hmm. Trump or like to be used by Trump or so forth? Well, they, the young conservatives are really for Ron DeSantis if they're not for Donald Trump. You have some Nikki Haley people, but I think that the Nikki Haley people, what's interesting is would go over to the Ron DeSantis people. The Ron DeSantis people would not go over to the Nikki Haley people. So if you look at who is expendable in this primary, outside of all of the, the Trump and all of his supporters, Nikki Haley people will vote for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis people may not vote for Nikki Haley. So if you can take Nikki Haley out of this primary, if you can get her to suspend her campaign and really beat her over and over again on the Ron DeSantis side, you are going to pick up a substantial amount of votes. Much like how when Mike Pence dropped out, you saw Nikki Haley's numbers go up about 3%, which is about what Mike Pence had in the polls. The Pence people went over to Nikki Haley. So Ron DeSantis needs Nikki Haley to drop out, and eventually Chris Christie will drop out. No one supporting Chris Christie is going to support Donald Trump. If you can get that to happen, DeSantis can crush Vivek. I got you on that. So last question, you and I just have to, I have to laugh at this because the guy who was supposedly the biggest joke in the history of the Senate is actually turning out to be supposedly quote unquote based for a lot of reasons. And you're seeing why the Democratic Party was really excited about Lurch. You know, who I'm talking about your senator from Pennsylvania. Um, he I, he's recovered from his injury and he's actually starting to speak in the way that mm -hmm. uh, he is their version of Trump. And that's why they wanted him in there. And uh, it's actually quite impressive to see his response to certain situations that courts a lot of independents and a lot of Republicans. 
Definitely. And John Fetterman is interesting because early on in his campaign, I can't remember her name, but he employed a social media strategist for TikTok, especially. It was in her early 20s, and she's very, very smart. I follow her on Twitter. And, and he really allowed her to take the reins of his social media wing of his campaign. And every day I would see posts, I'd be like, well, that's brilliant. So that's what John Fetterman does. He, he hires people to do specific jobs and then leaves them alone, and they do them. And I think that's why his image has been crafted so well. And when you saw him on The View basically saying, so we got rid of George Santos, but Bob Menendez is still getting national security briefings. That's okay. That, that was more interesting in American politics than anything I've seen in over a year. So John Fetterman, as he recuperates and hopefully gets better, he's going to gain quite a lot of traction. I don't think he's somebody who wants to be president, but if you're looking at the next kingmaker in the Democrat party, it's probably him because Bernie Sanders has fallen off of the, the, the social media and, and cable news circuit. He's not really participating as much anymore. And Democrats like this strange combination of obviously a socialist, benefits from capitalism, but takes these sort of strange avant-garde positions. And John Fetterman is the, rare to the, is the heir to that. Absolutely. All right, Madeline, we're running out of time. Let them know where they can find you. Thank you very much. You can find me on the Crusade channel under the Rose Report and also on Twitter. It was great to talk to you again. We'll talk soon. Have a great week. Thank weekend. you for having me. All right. All right, folks. Yes, Miss Magdalene Rose is back and she has the opinions and I I am very uh, happy to speak with her about them. Um, and yes, it they, I don't agree with all of them, but I do agree that she has a great point of view. All right, folks, coming up in the next segment of the program, we are going to be discussing what's going on with these nuns versus Smith & Wesson. Then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what you need to do if you're ever buying a gun for the first time as uh, as far as hey man when you go in there please do not say i want to buy a firearm you need to go through and talk about these specific things i'm going to tell you these specific things that you need to keep an eye on plus we're going to keep talking about to have yourself a merry or manly little christmas i need you guys to go to shop.mikechurch.com grab your ticket today so that way you can be a part of it. Hey, let's do the Barrett Brief Weekend Edition here on the Crusade Channel. Talk radio the way it should be. Once I went 
The Crusade Channel, talk radio the way it should be. Broadcasting live from Madisonville, Louisiana, and streaming 24-7 at crusadechannel.com. We're buzzing the tower here, folks, in the weekend edition of the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, talk radio the way it should be. Coming to you from the Republic of Texas, it is your humble host, the armed Catholic, Rick Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that will follow the news of the week, really. And then we're previewing the week to come. Jump in the Crusader Stadium chat room, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, C-H-A-T, if you want to be a part of the conversation every time. And uh, I will take some questions from you guys and... If you'd like that to be so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's see here. Big thanks to Miss Magdalene Rose for hanging out with me uh, on the brief. And uh, I'm I'm really happy to be back, guys. I'm really happy and I'm very thankful for all your support. And uh, it's great. So let's talk about it. This segment, we're going to be talking about gun stuff. The last segment of every uh, of every bear brief weekend edition is going to be guns. Gun stuff, gun stuff, gun stuff. I am the armed catholic folks uh, after all. Uh and so I just want to let you know that's what's coming up. This uh we're going to split this into two. We're going to split it into two. The first part we're going to talk about this thing with Smith and Wesson and the Catholic nuns. And then the second part we're going to talk about what to do when you go in to buy a firearm uh and what not to do. Because I've seen this over and over and over again. And apparently people still need to hear this. So let's get after it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So this is from Reuters once again. Tom House of Reuters.com. Catholic nuns sue Smith and Wesson to halt its assault style weapons sale. Uh, this thing just sets me off because all it does is it puts us Catholics back in the crosshairs of the culture war as far as guns are concerned. And outside of somebody like myself which is why the whole the armed Catholic exists, man, do we get dumped on time and time and time and time again. Oh, look at the Catholics are out there again, being anti-gun and being gun, against guns. And it's like, no, man, no, we are not. We believe in the God-given right to keep and bear arms and the, the, and the, the ability to defend oneself. We believe in it. But they love it. They use these Catholic nuns for this headline, the Catholic nuns, because they want Susie Soccer Mom in Pennsylvania, oh my goodness, the Catholic nuns, because they think of the the beautiful nuns of the uh, you know the slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, right, Sister Maria Philomena, and all those amazing nuns who do such great work. 
No, you're talking about the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pantsuit. Let me get it out of the way, folks. The Adrian Dominican Sisters of Adrian the Michi- uh, in Michigan, Sisters of the Bon Secular USA of Merrittsville, Maryland, the Sisters of St. Francis of Philadelphia of Aston, Pennsylvania, and the Sisters of the Holy Name of Jesus Mary uh, in Ontario Province of Oregon. So... You just do all you got to do is search for them and you will see none of them wear any kind of habit. None. They're all in pantsuits and they're all out there promoting uh, your your leftist causes. But that's useful. They're useful for it. So this group of Catholics nuns on Tuesday, you know, Sino nuns, we'll call them that for the rest of this article. The Sino nuns have sued Smith & Wesson, the board of Smith & Wesson, to try and force the gunmaker to abandon the manufacturer marketing and sales of assault-style rifles that have been used in U.S. mass shootings, which is kind of funny because when you look at mass shootings, most of them are handguns. Most of them are handguns. Of course, Uvalde and a couple of the other high-profile ones, Louisville, the awful one in Covenant. The one in Covenant didn't use an AR-15. She used a brace pistol, he, she, I don't know. I always get confused. Um, it's a dude who thinks she was a girl, right? Um, uh, they used a pistol-braced AR-15, so it wasn't even a full one. But the idea here is that, well, the assault-style weapons, the bad, bad AR-15, Schrodinger's gun, right? The gun that can take down and blow a hole deep into the center of the earth, but at the same time, he can't fight the U.S. military with it. Um, so the nuns in this lawsuit filed in Nevada alleged that Smith and Wesson's directors and senior management exposed the company to significant liability by intentionally violating federal, state, and local law and failing to respond to lawsuits over mass shootings. My first, my first thing that I came out is why you even invested them. Now, maybe you guys in the chat room, um, can answer this for me. Why are nuns investing in companies? I thought they all took oaths of poverty, right? I'm completely some, I've gotten some back and forth. Some people are like, ah, it depends on the order and they get around with this, that, and the other thing. I thought all of them took vows of poverty. So I don't know what they're doing, investing in Smith and Wesson to begin with. Do they have investments in Marlboro? Do they have investments in McDonald's because they cause fat people? Do they have investments in liquor companies because they cause alcoholism? Right? Why is it there? Okay, so Mike Mike Church is telling me in the chat room, they do take vows of poverty. So that's my first thing. What are they doing with investments? Why, why are they taking investments? Right? So that's my first big red flag. What are you doing? And of course, they're doing it for this reason. Uh, Smith & Wesson, which is incorporated in Nevada, did not respond for it, the first page of the lawsuit contains a photo from the mass uh, event in Colorado Cinema in 2012, which was a gun-free zone, by the way. Just let's make that clear. Carnage only happens in gun-free zones. How do we know this? We know this because if you read the Covenant Shooters Manifesto, which was finally released only after somebody snuck it to Steven Crowder, because nobody, we see a manifesto. If it's a white guy, we know everything about him. Shoe size, the dog he likes, what's his favorite movie, and what kind, how he likes his pasta cooked. But this person in Covenant, it was suppressed only until we found it. Only after they found it 
that they release this. And the line that jumps at me to this day is the line this person wrote. I am ready. I hope my victims aren't. They wrote that in their manifesto. They go to places where they know you're disarmed because they're ready and they hope that you're not. None of that is in this lawsuit, is it, sisters? Sister Act. Like, Whoopi Goldberg is more of a nun than these people. Uh, the group of nuns filed a lawsuit in their role as Smith & Wesson shareholders. Now, apparently, they have retirement funds. Now, it's a derivative lawsuit because you can't sue Smith & Wesson for being held accountable for the actions of the person. There's something called the PLACC. The PLACC was passed in um, 2005, and it's to protect gun manufacturers from being um, sued for this. So you can't sue them. They've tried to do this. They've tried to go um, around this, but the PLCAA or PLCAA is pretty strong. So they're trying to do a derivative lawsuit. What this does is they want to hold the board liable for breaches of their duties to shareholders, although the courts generally find boards are protected from lawsuits for good faith decisions, i.e. the firearm that they're selling is not being told, hey, you can go shoot like 60 people with this thing. First of all, they talk about the marketing of AR-15s. Nobody markets these things. I don't drive down. I'm not in the mall, which nobody goes to the mall anyway, and I don't see advertisement for AR-15s. So if this lawsuit is successful, which I don't think it will be, the, it would hold the company's directors liable for any costs associated with the alleged illegal marketing of assault rifles, quote unquote, and the damages would be paid to Smith & Wesson, not the plaintiffs. So it's a case, it's the first, it's the thing that they're trying to do. It's a way to get around. It's one more way that the left is trying to go after firearms. And why are they, what are they using? They're using that, that, um, it's the Protection Lawful of Commerce and Arms Act. That's the 20, 2005 um, law that was passed. Now, they say, and I covered this back when I was doing the dailies here in the, the Barrett Brief, the Remington uh, settlement. They say, well, Remington paid $73 million to a settlement. No, Remington did nothing. Remington's insurance company, the attorneys, paid there was no lawsuit. There was no trial that they're trying to do this. So that's what they're trying to do that. So it's another case, and I've seen some other bigger channels than the Armed Catholic approach this, even though I have a video out there. You can check it out on YouTube where I go and I do a deep dive into it, and I talk about the fact that Catholic these Catholic nuns, A, really don't represent us as Catholics because they're not... They're in, they're in the world, right, with their pantsuits and their T-shirts and their social justice causes, but they're not living for our Lord. They're not in the soup kitchens. They're not in the prisons. They are not clothing the naked. They are not feeding the hungry. They're suing the rich, which is not how it goes. And also, of course, then a point they, you know, the gun world outside of me, my whole thing points at us and says, you guys don't like guns. You Catholics. No, 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 no. Don't you do that. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. There are plenty of good Catholic men and women out there. 
that believe in the God-given right to keep and bear arms, that believe in the ability to defend ourselves, but they use us as Catholics for their culture wars, and these nuns are playing right into it, right? Like, you know, when you and I think of nuns, the beautiful nuns at the Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, they're in prayer all day. They're working in the fields or at Labora, right? The Capuchin nuns or any of Dominican nuns. We, If you follow me on X, going to give it to you because that's how I say it now. You know, I always repost the ones from the nuns who sing in the chapels or in the in the churches, the beautiful sounds that come from that. Not this gross modernity stricken just excuse this husk of an order that is being used for evil purposes, right? That's what they're doing. The disarmament of you and me. Why are these nuns so quick to go after firearm companies? Do they not know what happened in Spain? Do they not know what happened in Mexico? Because they're useful idiots. Because when they get their way, the first thing these evil people do which, by the way, do you know who the two largest private investors in Smith and Wesson are? BlackRock and Vanguard. BlackRock owns 8%. Vanguard owns 7%. That's right. They're gonna they're going to get their way with Smith and Wesson eventually. And they're not the only one. They have a huge investment stake in Ruger, which is why I'm a big fan. Glocks, SIGs, Palmetto State Armory, all private companies. Because those public, publicly traded companies, they're going to get run over eventually. That's just how the market works. All right, folks, this segment of the program is brought to you by the Martyrs Walk. Check out the martyrswalk.com. That's the official sponsor of this program. The, the title sponsor of this program is the martyrswalk.com, a Catholic boot camp experience like no other. I am one of the instructors at the martyrswalk.com. We are currently taking applications for March and May of next year. We have two walks scheduled already. It's a three-day experience like no other. Uh, We've actually had a member of the Crusade channel actually um, take part in it, and he can talk to you about that. And it's it's an unbelievable experience, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out, martyrswalk.com. If you think you're up to the challenge, men, if you think you are up to the challenge, fill out an application and get yourself signed up. And let's see if you can do it. Let's see if your faith is as strong as you think it is. I'm not saying it isn't, but you should put your faith to the test and see how far you truly can go. TheMartyrsWalk.com. All right, ladies. And like I said, I'm an instructor on there. I am martyr number six. I was one of the first to go through it. Uh, and um, it's it's an amazing experience. And I, I hope, I wish, I wish every Catholic man could do it. MartyrsWalk.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So for the final part of the program, real quick, if you think if you are going out to buy a firearm, there are some things that you need to take into account. Please do not do the following. Do not walk into a gun store and say, what gun should I buy for concealed carry or whatever? I've actually I remember standing in the gun store that I work at during the week and I was doing something guy taller than me, good in shape, young man. He's like, hey, man. What gun should I get to carry? And I looked at him and I said, ooh, uh, I don't know. Actually, this is how you can tell. If you've got a salesman or somebody who's just trying to push a product, they'll say, get a Glock. If you have somebody like me who actually cares 
about the firearm you buy because guess what? Firearms are like textbooks. Once you buy them, they're yours. You can't return them and you can maybe sell them, but you'll never get the full value of what you bought for them. So what do, what's the first thing you need to take into account? Anybody ever told you, look at the size of your hand? No, they don't. Because the size of your hand will determine how you're able to grip a pistol when you carry it. Now, you live in the golden era of concealed carries between Sig P365s, Glock 43Xs, Ruger Max 9s, uh, Springfield Hellcats, and so forth. So there's a gun for every single one. I use this example. I said to the guy, taller than me, stronger, and all this other stuff, I'm like, hold up your hand. And he held up his hand, and I held up mine. And it literally looked like Gandalf's hand against, like, Frodo's. His hand was massive. And I said, you and I can't shoot the same gun. He goes, really? I was like, yeah. Because your fingers are actually going to have a tougher time trying to get into the trigger guard if you use the gun that I use. So we went to the counter, and I was like, here's a 43X. It's a little bit of a longer um, grip, maybe better for you. Here's a, a Canic TP9. It's got a little bit of a fatter grip on it, which may be good for you when you try to you know, get more of a purchase on it. Uh, so a lot of people don't take that into account. The size of your hand versus the size of your firearm, because they're just going to say, get a Glock. Well, what if you don't like the grip angle and you can't actually get your finger to the trigger. You have to move your finger. You, you have to move your hand to a point that you can't get a solid grip on the on the gun. Now you all the shooting fundamentals I'm going to try and teach you go out the window because you can't grip the gun. Oh, okay. So look at that first. Get a good grip on the firearm, and it may not be a Glock. Second. Do not listen to men, and it is men, that say, you should get a 380. Because a 380 is a light around, and you're, you're a, especially if you're a female, please listen. You're a female, you should shoot a 380, because that's lighter. Bull. Bull. You may not like the fact that most 380s come in tiny packages. The Glock 42, the Ruger Max... Real CP Max, they're tiny guns and they're cute little guns. Look how cute this gun is. It's so tiny. Nope. Because that mini explosion that takes place every time you fire a gun, the bullet explodes and it goes out. Um, That's going to hurt in a tiny gun because there's not a lot of ways for that gun. A bigger gun absorbs more recoil. A tiny gun doesn't. So I've seen women take a 365, not uh, a, a Glock 42. They take sh two shots with it. They walk back from the, because we can rent them at the range I work at. They're like, I hate this gun. And I said, I told you you would hate it. People who shoot full time hate these guns. They just use them because they're convenient. They take them to the range once a year. They make sure they work and then they, they conceal carry them again. So what do I recommend? If you're going to do a 380, you got two options. One is the... Smith & Wesson EZ 380, and the other is the Ruger Security 9 380. They're bigger guns. They'll absorb the recoil a lot better. And third, let's say, let's say you're not very strong with your upper body, whether you're a male or female. That's going to count too. Can you rack that gun? Let's say something happens. You have a stovepipe. You have a failure to fire. 
You got to rack that gun, get that round out, get back in the fight. If you can't rack the gun, you are dead. So you got to be able to rack that firearm. The Smith & Wesson Easy is a great choice. The Ruger 380 Security 380, a light rack, great choice. Especially if you don't intend to go to the range often to shoot. They will run and they will not require a lot um, of, of, of work to get that gun back in the fight. Ability to rack the slide, your ability to grip the firearm, the caliber that you're shooting. These are all things that you need to look into. My best advice to you is when you think about wanting to buy a gun, you need to find a firearm range that will do what? That will do what? That will let you try them. The range I work at, you can try everything from mechanic TP9 to a Ruger Glock. I'm sorry, no Ruger Glock to a Ruger uh, Max 9. I'm sorry, Ruger LCP Max. My my, there's Maxes and Nines and all. A Ruger LCP Max. They'll let you try a Glock 42. You need to try. You need to try as many guns as possible to shoot. Because the moment you take that, you buy that gun, you go home, you buy ammunition you don't know about, and you go to the range, you're like, I hate this gun. And guess what? The worst kind of good, the worst gun out there, folks, is the gun you don't use. That's the worst gun out there. I don't care about caliber, and I may trigger some of you guys in the chat room at this point. I don't care about caliber or gun. If you're good with a 380, if you can put all 10 rounds in the center mass with a 380, I'm good with it. If you can do it with a 38, with five shots of a 38, do it. I want proficiency over caliber because I need you to be able to run the firearm that you have the best. Um, now I have somebody in the chat room, which I love. I love the fact that you guys are there guys. Crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, a stock Walther CCP. It's a good for single stack, small hand size has an external safety. You know what? That may be a great option for somebody to try, but they may hate that. That's a good option though to introduce. Hey man, that's another thing. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you a positive points, two points to Florida laxer for that. I forgot. Do you want a safety or not? Are you comfortable with the Glock safety, the trigger safety? Cause that's popular on a lot of guns. It's very popular. You, and that's the number one thing people have. Hey man, does it have a safety? And we go, this particular model doesn't, but if you practice the four handgun fundamentals, you should be fine. You should be okay. You know, first rule, we always treat the gun as if loaded. We never put our second rule. We never put our finger on the trigger until we're ready to shoot. Or we never, the third one is we never pointed at anything we don't want to destroy. And the fourth is we're always as um, aware of what's behind our target. If you practice those four universal gun safety rules, then you should be fine. The reason why we don't say a lot about safeties is it's another thing that you have to deal with when the moment comes. Right. Are you a, now, if you practice disengaging that safety and shooting in one motion, like I do with my Ruger max nine, then you're fine. I have a safety on the Ruger max nine. It comes standard. There's nothing I can do about it, but guess what? I can, I can dis disengage it and get on target pretty quick. If you don't practice with it, once again, practice is the key. The gun actually doesn't matter. And I know a lot of people don't like that either. 
Oh, well, you need this gun. No, you need to be proficient with said gun. You need to be proficient with said gun. So that's really what I'm talking about here is go to a range that will allow you, that will allow you to practice, shoot a bunch. The range I work at, you could sign up and do a coaching session with somebody like me. And I'll tell you all about firearms. We'll do it in a, uh, in a controlled environment. I'll teach you how to shoot. I'll teach you about breath control. I'll teach you about stance. I'll teach you about recoil management. That's what you need to do. If you're interested and if you've never bought a gun before, find a range and make sure that you know how to shoot it. That's the way to go. All right, folks, we are done. It's the first ever episode of Fireproof Weekend Edition. Send me your questions and comments on X, LR Catholic. I'll talk to you all next week. God bless. And Viva Cristo Rey.